You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 59. Do I need a humidifier? Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, Neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Steve, the summer is just moving. It's almost July. Yes. Yeah. Fishing's great. Well, kind of. <laughs> Going fishing's always great. So, of course, <laughs> whether you're catching them or not. Uh, yeah, I hope everybody's um, enjoying their summers. Uh, hopefully, you're getting outside and doing a lot of fun stuff like we like to do. Absolutely. So, today's episode, we were talking about humidifiers. You know, I always thought of humidifiers, especially when you have babies. And they get really clogged and, you know, their nose is all stuffy. You put a humidifier in the nursery to help them breathe. What's your take on humidifiers? I don't like them. <laughs> so, um, we don't even have one. No. So, to me, you know, and, and I'm not saying nobody can use them. And I'm sure people love them. And that's that's great. That's, you know, what, what works for them is, is great. But I've seen the reason I'm... I'm not a fan of them as I've seen what happens when they're improperly used. Like, you know, you mentioned for babies in the nursery. Well, when you do that, how long are you leaving that running? For weeks? Are you leaving it running 24 hours a day? I mean, there's a lot of things you have to consider. If you're running it 24-7, even at five or six days, you're probably creating a mold issue in that baby's nursery that you're trying to protect. Yeah. So there's other ways you can deal with that, you know, and I, I know um, we've talked about this before, but they have those and they're gross, but those little snot suckers. Snot things, snatchers. Yeah. There's other ways you can try to take care of that if they're stuffy. So, you know, that's why for me, I just think there's better alternatives out there. And for the most part, it's because I do believe they do more harm than they do good. Like, let's just say they have mold inside that humidifier 
like yeah. on the parts. It's a problem. So you're just taking, you're creating a mold issue. And if you're not creating a mold issue, you maybe have a little bit of mold inside that reservoir or whatever. And then you're just blowing that out into your baby's air. So it's kind of, to me, it's counterproductive. What are some other reasons that you found that people use humidifiers besides the baby thing? Well, I've had people tell me that they, they read on the internet and um, that, you know, keeping your home humid is very healthy for you. A lot of people, obviously it gets dry in the wintertime, pretty much no matter where you live. And so people, people think that keeping the humidity, you know, around 40, 50% is a good thing. It's healthy. I personally don't view it that way, but that's, I mean, I've had clients that, that, they have some sort of um, humidity-inducing um, component, like well, just a bucket of water here and a bucket of water there. Oh, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, you know, when I see something like that, I look up and see if there's a leak from the ceiling. But they they truly believe it helps them. Wow. So I don't – it doesn't make sense to me, I guess, but that's what they use them for. Where should humidity be in a house in terms of percentage? No higher than 40%. Okay. Now, the reason they say 40 is that that's optimal. Um, mold has to have 60% humidity. So, you know, when I, when I tell people, you know, say you have um, a fan in your attic that is designed to keep the humidity down, you, you hook a humidistat up to it. And that once the humidity hits a certain percentage, those fans kick on to reduce the humidity. Well, I always tell them 40%. Because let's just say for some reason that that humidistat's not calibrated correctly, maybe it might get up to 50%. But once we get over 50, that's when it's really concerning when it comes to a mold issue. So, and make sure, it's, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because we've talked about people having a humidity gauge in their home mm -hmm. or humidity meter Make sure if you're using humidifiers that you're monitoring the humidity in your home and those certain rooms. Now, I noticed that uh, that newer homes have these whole digital temperature things on the wall that also give humidity percentage. Is that a is that a thing? I mean, would you say to somebody who has an older home change to something that's more digital that gives you the humidity percentage, or does it differ room to room? So you really need a gauge to check each room. Well, so there's that you made a few good points there. So I'll try to go backwards. And if I don't cover one thing, just remind me, <laughs> yeah. but that gauge is in a hallway or somewhere, right? Yes. So it's not really, it's only monitoring the humidity right there where it's at. Ah, okay. So if you could go down to the basement, you're, it could be telling you it's 40%. You go down to the basement and it's 70. Okay. Um, you could go into the child's room or your room or bathroom and it's 65. So it'll vary, obviously, depending on where you have those. Or even in the same room after you take a hot shower. Exactly. Your humidity is going to be totally different yep. than nobody having used the bathroom that day. Right. Okay. And I, ironically, um, and this is just over the years and from experience, you know, I've replaced numerous thermostats. And ironically, the old school little dial ones are more accurate. Wow. And... You know, people can argue the whole, you know, nowadays you can change, control the temperature in your house from your phone, and <laughs> at nighttime you can have it programmed and all that stuff. I don't believe in that. Yeah. It, I think I've explained this to you. I, I, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Let's say you go to bed at night and you want the, the heat cooler. 
So let's say you drop the heat at nighttime down to 60 degrees, and then you have a program that before you get up, so let's just say if you know, three or four o'clock in the morning, you want to wake up to a warm house, so you kick it back up to 70. Well, throughout the night, obviously, the temperature of the home has dropped a lot. 10 degrees, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when that furnace kicks on, it has to run and run and run to try to get to 70. So in my opinion, now I do turn our heat down like two degrees at night. I know you don't like how cold it is, but once again, that's just, you know, people... I've been in homes where they keep it 80 degrees, and I don't know how they do that. But anyhow, I only kick it down two degrees at night. And mostly it's just so we we like to sleep when it's colder. But when the furnace kicks on in the morning, two degrees isn't that big a deal. But think about going from 60% or, or sorry, 60 degrees to 70 degrees. Exactly. I don't agree in it. So that's why all this fancy digital, you know, control from your phone thermostats, I'm just not real big on that. Okay, so then that that answers a lot. So really, you're still saying have a humidity gauge. So at any time in any given space, you can check it and you can have an accurate reading right. on and it. Right, and have more than one. Yeah. I mean, you can buy, we covered this before. Uh, and is that in your Udemy courses? One of them? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's funny because when, when we do our podcast and we talk about stuff, I try to remember because, you know, we do the podcast, we do a week weekly, or not email, um, Facebook posts. We do a bi-weekly email post, <laughs> writing books, doing the courses. Like, it's all, like, I forget, you know, where I addressed it. But a humidity gauge, and we use humidity meters, which I wouldn't expect a homeowner to have. But a humidity gauge, you can buy the, I remember my grandparents, it was a, it was on the wall, and it had, like, the humidity, the temperature, and um, I think there was a barometer. And... I guarantee you buying something like that's probably $15. You can buy a digital one for probably $20. My point is, is have one in different rooms. Yeah. Not every room. Having one in your bathroom is a good idea. But on the other hand, it's going to fluctuate when people shower. But yeah, don't have just one. Have them in several places. At least one per floor. Okay. So if you have a basement, main level, and a second level, have at least one per floor. That makes a lot of sense. That way you know. Now, what's the difference between humidifiers and things that are attached to what, the HVAC system? Yeah. So the, the you know, there's the temporary humidifiers versus one that's installed permanently. Oh, wow. And I actually did, um, it was, I can't remember, April sometime, we did a email post that talks about this. So that kind of brings up something you know, for our listeners, we send out a bi-weekly email and we try to correlate it with what we talk about on Facebook and here, but go to our site. You know better about that. What, how do they sign up? For so that? they just have to go to cnccontractorservices.com and you will see on different pages the option to uh, sign up for the the mold uh, checklist, mold mitigation checklist. So be sure that you sign up for it. And really what it, that checklist allows you to do is If you think you have a mold issue and you need an investigation checklist, you can kind of say, what should I be looking for? Where should I be looking? So you know what your next steps will be. If that's what turns out to seem like is happening, then this checklist is your first step before you call anybody, before you set up anything. It gives you the pointers on where to look, what to look for to see if mold is a concern in your home. Right. And so... 
in order for them to get this, you know I'm not technologically inclined, but in order for them to get this, they have to sign up for our newsletter, Yes. Right? So literally when you go to cnccontractorservices.com, you can scroll all the way to the bottom of the page. You'll find a link to click to sign up where you put your name and your email address. You'll also see it throughout different pages on the website, so you'll be able to find okay. it. And just so our listeners know, I'm not going to blow up your email. We don't sell no. your, your address to anybody you'll get just an email every other week that explains that stuff. So going back to what your question was, so there there's people and I've had clients that uh, they have humidifiers actually installed on their HVAC systems. And so, like I said, that's a permanent thing. And most people, when they have that, they'll shut that off in the summertime because the humidity's a little higher. Um, but they only run it in the winter time, and like I said, you know, you want to make sure it's not above forty percent. I'm just not a fan of those. If I'm not a fan of the little portable ones yeah. that you pull out of a closet, I'm really not a fan of one that's permanently installed. Exactly. And here's why: you're elevating the humidity in the home. Second of all, you have to have a water line running to it, which increases the risk of water leaks. On top of that, you're pushing humid air throughout all of your heating ducts. Well, your heating ducts over time, which is natural, they collect dust. And we've talked about this before, but different mold spores uh, weigh differently. Some are stickier than others, but those mold spores settle into that dust on the bottom of your ducts that you never see. And all you're doing is you keep running humid air through there. So, in my opinion, it's just, it, it's not a good idea. If you have one on a home you purchased and it was there, just shut the water off and don't use, you know, the humidity meter or the humidistat. Just, you can turn it all the way down to zero and shut the water valve off and you're good to go. So, I don't know if I answered your question you, you totally. Did, you but did. but the <clears throat> if you're going to use a temporary one, which like you said, you know, people, their kids get sick, they get sick, they throw it in their room. Only run it when you're in there. So when you're sleeping, um, if you're going to run it out in your living room, only run it while you're out there and don't run it more than three to five days. There you go. So really good guidelines. Now there's always, there's so much information that we offer on the podcast, on the Udemy courses, uh, just on the email list in general. What's your call to action for people today? Go to our Facebook page and, and like our page have, um, you know, if you know anybody that has health concerns or asthmatic, um, anything, have them go like our page. Once again, we don't, I have a, a post, I post every Thursday on the page, but once in a while I'll post something, you know, that's not on, on a Thursday, but I don't, once again, I don't blow up our Facebook page. And, you know, one thing is, is it seems as if on our Facebook page that we don't get a whole, like we get shares and people reading it, but we don't get a whole lot of questions or comments. So go follow us on Facebook, ask questions. If we post something, ask a question right there, because I'm sure other people would love to see what my answer is. So be interactive on our Facebook pages. It, it, you'll, you'll learn a lot. Absolutely. So if you're wondering how to get there, go to facebook.com, obviously in your app, you can just put in the search bar CNC contractor services, and then our business Facebook page should come up and just like it. And then let us know, please comment once you like the page and let us know that you are liking the page because you heard this episode. Right. And when you say CNC, just so everybody knows it's C as in Charlie, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie. 
contractor services. Exactly. So a lot of people put C and C. Oh, that's true. C and it's, and it's C, C and C. So, so yep, do what uh, the wife said and everything will be good. There you go. Happy wife, happy life. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.